Last week, Pastor Doug talked about the one, finding the one. And he wasn't talking about finding the one like most people talk about finding the one. The one is God. And our relationship with God is the single uh, most foundational relationship for any of the other relationships that we're going to have in life. But today, what we're going to talk about very practically is finding the two. All right? Two in priority. God's the number one priority. The number two priority, our spouse or or, our wife or our husband. And the person one day that you're going to marry. Now, if you're married, though, you might be thinking, well, I already found her. All right? I already found them. All right? But here's the thing is, is that this is just good, sound advice, whether you're single, you're, you're dating, you're dating towards marriage. Maybe you're like some of my friends that would fall into the category of you're, you're going to remain single, that you, um, you, you've chosen to be single maybe your whole life. No matter where we are in relationships, what we're going to talk about today is just good, sound advice. But we don't talk or teach very much about relationships because, at least in my family, I was wildly unprepared for relationships, especially of a relationship of a romantic nature. We don't teach on that very much. And here is why that's important. See, when you're not prepared for relationships, you make make decisions that undermine your relationships. And the problem with that is when you make decisions that undermine your relationships, it doesn't just hurt you, it hurts somebody else. And I don't know about you, I don't want to be in the business of hurting myself, and I certainly don't want to be in the business of hurting someone else. Bottom line is, I don't ever want to become somebody's regret. Do you? Now, I need to tell you about my first romantic relationship, though. It was with a girl named Amy. It was sixth grade. And Amy, she had blonde hair and blue eyes, and she was athletic. We'd been friends since kindergarten, grown up going to the same elementary school. And Amy and I were on the safety patrol together. The safety patrol was, we had these, these badges and belts that went around us, and our job was to make sure that none of our classmates got run over when the school let out in the carpooling, that we didn't want them run over by a rogue station wagon with wood-sided paneling on it, all right? And I am proud to say that our, our record is unblemished, okay? Nobody got run over. Well, our other job was this. Amy and I had to take down the flag from the flagpole, fold it just the right way into one of those triangles. And one day, and I can remember it was like yesterday, it was sunny outside. The sun sparkled off her golden hair. It was about 75 degrees with a four-mile-per-hour breeze from the southeast. And we had flown up the flag, and I started the walk. I started the walk in, and, and I heard her call my name. She was like, Bobby. And I turned around, <laughs> and she was four inches from my face. And she had this smile on her face, and her, she was a little bit like flushed or red. And she leaned in, and she kissed me <laughs> on the lips. 
And, and the feeling, the only way I can describe it, it was like somebody had walked up to me, handed me a pair of jumper cables, one in this hand and one in the other, and then they hooked the other ends of, of it up to their Ford F-150 battery, and then they got in and they started the engine and they just started revving that thing. When she kissed me, it was like... <laughs> The feeling, the hormones, the embarrassment, the excitement, all the feelings that were going on inside of me, and then it just lasted for a few seconds. I was left staring into her blue eyes, and they were bluer than they'd ever been, and they were more beautiful than I'd ever seen. And I can tell she's expecting me to say something. So my mind starts the race, and I'm like, okay, I'm only in sixth grade, so asking her to marry me right now is way out of the question, okay? I think I love you would be over the top. So here is what comes out. Thank you. <laughs> and you guys, it wasn't like, wow, Amy, thank you. It was more like, thank you, question mark. Like, uh, thank you? I think that's when I became Amy's regret, right in that moment, okay? Oh, she's okay. She really is. But thank you for the all. That was so sweet. She's good. I don't think she was the first woman who was like ever disappointed in a man's inability to express them properly, about, express himself properly about somebody's beauty. So, yep, I mean, she wasn't the first. She won't be the last. But it's a cute story. But the point is this, is that relationships are complicated in sixth grade, and they're always going to be complicated in new and unexpected ways in life. Wouldn't you agree? Now, clearly, my sixth grade self didn't know everything or have all the answers or didn't even know what to say about relationships. But God has given us some amazing relationship truths. And we need to pay attention to what he says about our relationships, especially if we are dating towards marriage or in a serious relationship. Now, last weekend, Pastor Doug shared some statistics about marriage that were pretty sobering. He said that today, if you get married, you've got a 50-50 chance, 50-50 odds of staying married. You basically got a flip of the coin, an imaginary one. If you want to be married, the odds of you being married past 15 years is 30-70. And I don't know about you, but I don't want that normal for my life and for my relationships. I don't know about you, but I want nothing short of God's very best for my marriage. My wife over there, Rosalind, she's babelicious, okay? Um, still is, after 32 years of being married. I don't, I don't want nothing less than God's best for our relationship and my relationship with my kids, my relationship with my friends. I want better every year. I don't want to have a down year on the quality and character of my love. I wanted to keep going up and getting better each year. And that brings us to our main thought. If we want better... Okay, oops, sorry, lost my notes. If you want something you've never had, do something you've never done. If you want each year to get better, if you want something you've never had, you do something 
that you've never done. Take action. And I want better. I want God's best in my relationships. Now, the Apostle Paul, he was writing to the Romans, and he's got some sage advice on this, and he says something very similar. Romans 12.1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. He's pleading. Notice the intensity. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. To paraphrase Paul, he's saying because of the way Jesus has loved you, because of the quality and character of his love, our response should be to love him back with our whole self. He goes on and he says, let them, our entire self, our our bodies, who we are inside and out, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. It's like Paul's expanding our definition of worship. Because we certainly worship here on the weekends when we sing. We certainly will worship on Wednesday night at our worship night. And I hope you will join us. But he's saying we also worship God by the way that we live. When we live in a way that honors him in every part of our life. Now pay attention to verse 2, all right? Um, This is me pleading with you like Paul was. Pay attention to verse 2 because as it pertains to relationships, this is game-changing. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, and then then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world when it comes to our relationships. We who follow Jesus, we're supposed to do things different than the way everybody else is doing them. And see, the way the world does it, the world is focused on the outside. But notice what Paul's writing here in Romans 2. He's saying God is focused on the inside. He's saying be transformed. So relationships are less about finding that person and more about becoming that person you're hoping to find wants to find. Thank you. (laughs) See, if I'd been in another church that wasn't, you know, that was maybe a little more responsive, I might have gotten an amen on that one, okay? (laughs) All right, there we go. But look what Paul's also saying. He's saying in that verse that we can actually know God's design for relationships. We can know how they work and how God thinks about them. And if I can understand how God thinks about them, that means I can make better relationship decisions. And on top of that, like he just keeps adding on the good news, he says he will transform us so that the quality and character of our love gets better. It gets more like his quality and character of love. Wow. And that's good news. But the transformation happens from the inside out. And the transformation happens, okay, from the Holy Spirit. All right, the Holy Spirit is God's change agent internally in our lives. The Holy Spirit Okay, is our competitive advantage in life and relationships. 
because he transforms us more into the nature of God and who God created us to be. And so, as it pertains to relationships, God wants to transform us, whether we're single, dating, single again, dating towards marriage or married. And in order to transform us, we need to practice three things. The practice number one, activate, don't outsource. Okay, the pattern of this world is an outsourcing model. And the pattern of this world is this kind of thinking right here. When I find the right one, when I find the right one, the right one will make everything all right. When we find the right one, the, every, the, the, right, one, the right one will make everything all right. So all our insecurities, all our issues, okay, um, anger, jealousy, insecurity, poof, it'll go away. Why? Because we met Mr. and Mrs. Wright. And it sounds crazy, but there's a lot of people teaching that or selling that, and there's even more people buying that, and it's an outsourcing model. See, we're, with that thinking, we're outsourcing our identity, our purpose, our contentment, our well-being, our emotional and mental health to Mr. or Mrs. Wright, who, by the way, is incapable of transforming those parts of our life, no matter how well-intentioned they are. Because the only one we should trust the transformation business in our life is the one is God himself. Now, outsourcing, it's not getting good results, right? 50-50, 30-70? We need to activate. And here's what I mean by this. Four years ago, I uh, started to get some chronic pain in my right hip. And I started, actually, I developed a chronic limp to go with it. And over a year or two, it got so bad, the pain, that I had to decide whether or not I would walk my dog at night or I wanted to sleep because the pain would be so bad when I would walk on my hip. And so finally, I went to a physical therapist. And my first appointment there, he had me lay down on, on this table, all right, and he walked around me. He's looking at me, kind of tugging on my legs and stuff. And he takes two fingers and he sticks them into my left glute okay, which is my butt cheek, all right? So he sticks two fingers in here, and he's like, flex. And a former time in my life, I was actually an athlete. So when he said flex, oh, I flexed. I flexed like no other patient had flexed for him before. In fact, I even looked over my shoulder to see his nodding approval about the flexion of my gluteus maximus. And then he walked to the other side, and I was thinking to myself, he is going to be equally impressed by the right side. And he does that, and he's like, flex. And I flexed with the same determination I had on the left side, and you know what happened? Absolutely nothing. And I tried even harder. I'm sure I, like, grimaced in my face and was like, ooh. It did not help. My right glute was paralyzed, and the physical therapist told me because of the pain, your brain had actually shut down that muscle. And I think that same, th same kind of thing can be true in our spiritual lives. See, I think when we compartmentalize our spiritual life and relegate it to church on the weekend, or we keep 
got out of parts of our life, like my dating life or my what I do when nobody's looking life, my spiritual muscles can get weak or atrophied or shut down. And often the places where we try to keep God out of or we compartmentalize him over here are the places we experience the most pain, aren't they? And when we experience pain, there's parts of us that begin to shut down emotionally or spiritually to protect itself. The good news is this, though. If we're thoughtful about that and realize where we're shut down spiritually, we can do something about it. We can activate. We can activate, and col- which is collaborating with the Holy Spirit, okay, the internal change agent. We can collaborate with the Holy Spirit for God's best in our lives. And here's how you'll know if that's happening. The Holy Spirit will always, I mean always, be working this into your life. Honor God, honor people. You want to know if you're activating and collaborating with the Holy Spirit? How do you honor God? How do you honor people with your words, with your actions? He's always going to be working those into us. And if you want to be intentional about activating, or maybe you just want to know, hey, am I in activating versus compartmentalizing, okay? Do this, make a honor God, honor people list. Make at the top of a piece of paper on your device, write, I honor God and I honor people when I blank. And fill it out. Look at it in the mornings when you go out to work or whatever, go to school, whatever you do. You'll be mindful of it. At the top of the list has to be this one. Number one has to be forgive and extend forgiveness, doesn't it? We honor God when we forgive people, and we ask forgiveness. But there's a whole other bunch of other ways that we honor God and people. I honor people when I remember their name, when I pray for them, make time for them, when I listen to them, when I encourage them, when I speak in kind and respectful words and tones to them. Think about the world we live in right now. I'm going to say that one again. We honor God and we honor, honor people when we speak in a kind and respectful tone to them. We honor God when we celebrate them and we, when we sit with them in their pain. We should probably all have our own honor God and honor people list, shouldn't we? And we should teach these to our kids. Number two, second practice. Look in the makeup mirror, all right? Look at in the makeup mirror. Now, I didn't know what a makeup mirror was until one day my wife, Roz, asked me to hang a makeup mirror on the wall. And so I hung it up for her, and I I had it positioned right. It was round, sitting on the wall, and I was just looking in a regular old mirror. And then curiosity got the best of me. I noticed there was another side to the mirror. So I flipped the other mirror around. Okay, and the first thing I see is a sticker that says 8X magnification. The second thing I see is my real self for the first time. And some of the things seen can no longer be unseen, people. All right, and I'm not going to go into all the gory details, but I could see every pore, every rogue nose hair. 
every imperfection or blemish that was there. And I, to this day, still believe that I am best experienced at a distance. (laughs) But God, in his wisdom, gave us a makeup mirror when it comes to our relationships. And I bet you, you didn't even know that it was in here. So let's take a look at it together. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Doesn't have a swelled head. Doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. This is not like a squishy definition of love. This is like a gritty definition of love. And God gives it to us for a bunch of reasons, but one of the ways that we can leverage this, this is to look, but use it as a makeup mirror to look at the quality and character of our love for the sake of the people that we do love. So in each of these, there's a becoming opportunity. In each of this, these, there's actually a beware opportunity. So if you're in a dating relationship or a dating towards a marriage relationship, if you're a student or in your 20s or 30s, this is just a good filter by which to filter maybe your romantic relationships. So let's look at the first one. Love never gives up. This is normally translated patient, but here it's more translated patience with persistence. And so the makeup mirror, the becoming opportunity, what do you do when the relationship gets hard? Or you don't get your way or what you want? Do you cut and run? Do you withdraw? Do you run to somebody else for comfort or just a gripe about the other person? Or do you have a quality of love that chases the other person down the sidewalk even when they're walking away? like we heard on the video. Beware opportunity. Does the person you're dating have the capacity or the desire to get better at communication in conflict? Do you even know the answer to that question if you're dating somebody? Here's my suggestion. Have the conversation. It could go like this. Uh, Hey, I like you a lot. I mean, I like you a lot. We're out to dinner together. But I think we could improve on, in our ability to communicate when we're under stress. Would you agree? Have the conversation. That's how we can leverage this. Let's do another one. Love cares more for others than for self. This is selflessness. The becoming opportunity? Ask your spouse. Ask your closest friend. Ask your kids. Because relationships can also be a great reflection back to us about the quality and character of our love. The beware opportunity. Do I want to be dating somebody who is a selfish person? And do they have the desire to become more selfless? Maybe have that conversation. 
Let's do one more. This is just a beware opportunity. I think you're getting the idea. Doesn't force itself on others. Love doesn't force itself on others. Is the person that you're dating or want to date or you're dating towards marriage, do they allow you to be your authentic self? Or are they pushing you to be someone different? Do they push you to do things that don't honor God or honor people? This is a question worth asking. Hear me. I'm not talking about perfection here. I'm talking about becoming. I'm talking about transformation. I'm talking about leveling up the quality and character of our love for the people that we love. And there's opportunity here. Will we seize it? Third practice, the last one. Travel light. As I share this, here's what I want you to know. There's, there's, no, like, there's no blaming, there's no shaming in what I'm about to, to say. I just think we need to be mind, mindful of it. And if I'm pointing fingers at anyone, it's me, okay? One of the things that I think makes relationships complicated is that we bring a lot of stuff into them, don't we? If we're honest, we all have stuff. We got baggage. Some of this stuff is stuff that we carry around because of the decisions that we've made. It's kind of stuff of our own making. But we live in a broken and sinful world, and sin breaks people. So some of the stuff that we're carrying actually isn't stuff I chose. It was actually other stuff that people weighted me down with. But irregardless, we bring it in. And so, you know, you're at the Great Divide on a Saturday night, Single men, you're dressed, looking good, worked on, the, uh, on your physique. You're smelling good because you put on your shark after dark cologne, all right? And uh, dad joke, such a bad dad joke right there. And, and, then, and, and you look over there, and there's an attractive young lady over there, and you're like, what's up? Okay, that's what we do. And she's over here, and she's got her own stuff, right? And, and she's like, oh, I, no, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> Not even going to try. Yeah, some of the ladies were looking at me and like, yeah, don't go there. Don't you dare go there. So I'm not going to go there. But they've got their own stuff. And the truth about our stuff, our baggage, is that it affects the quality of love that we can extend and also that we can receive. It also affects the quality decisions that we make about our relationships. And when it comes to what we bring into a dating towards marriage relationship, a serious relationship, we ought to just be honest about the baggage that we're bringing in. Now, some of us, we're carrying some heavier baggage, okay? This kind of baggage, you know the weight of it, some of us. Some of you have been doing really hard work on this right here. A lot of this stuff I can just kind of unpack with God, with my wife, with some good friends that I call my broccoli in the teeth friends. They're your friends when you eat something, you got something in your teeth, they're going to be like, hey man, you got something in your teeth. No? No? Did I? Yeah? Okay. You're good. Right? They tell you what you need to hear. They don't tell you what you want to hear. 
And with some good friends like that, you can unpack a lot of your stuff. But when it comes to this stuff, the stuff that we really try to hide, I think the person who's about to commit their life to us ought to go into that commitment with all the information. And if you're married, you know this, you're going to be unpacking stuff your whole life with the other person. Sometimes they're helping you unpack. Sometimes you're helping them. My wife's been unpacking my stuff for 32 years. But this stuff is the kind of stuff that probably needs more than a broccoli in the teeth, friend. It actually needs somebody, a licensed therapist, to help you unpack it. And when you start unpacking this stuff, at first, it's like one step to start unpacking it, but then it gets messy. And here's the beauty about marriage, is that you bring this stuff and you have full disclosure And this person brings their stuff with full disclosure. And they still say, I do. That's the kind of love that Christ offers and extends to us that we have to receive. And here's the tricky part. Some of us are carrying around stuff, all right? Probably all of us in some way. We're carrying around stuff like this, and we don't even know it's there. There's this stuff we got in some point in our life, in a certain season, because of certain circumstances. That stuff's going to come on out. And that's when our marriages and our relationships and friendships can take on a completely new quality. When we step into that with someone and we see the mess and we say, still say, I do. It's in the midst of that, the loving, the hard stuff, unpacking that, that our marriages become their best. It's almost like they become superhuman. It's like we got an Avenger kind of love going with superpowers. It's supernatural because we've been transformed. You and I have been made for nothing less than that. So we were made to travel light. We need to start unpacking, and I will tell you this right now. Don't wait. If you've got some stuff that you need to unpack, start today. Unpack it now. If you haven't been unpacking stuff for a long, you've been carrying it for a long, a long time, start today. We'll help resource you. We have people who can help you with this. And the good news is, as we start unpacking it, we travel so much more lightly. So as we finish, I want to activate our imaginations. So let's activate and collaborate with the Holy Spirit now. And I want you to imagine with me, okay? If you want something you've never had, do something you've never done. If you want something you've never had, do something you've never done. What is it? Something popped to your mind today. Do that. But imagine what would happen if you did that. For one minute, I want you to close your eyes if you get distracted. If you're like me, I'm like a golden retriever. I'm like squirrel, ball. Close your eyes. I want you to focus here. I want you to listen. Maybe what God has to say to you. 
Imagine for a minute what your life, your romantic life, your family life, your friendships would look like if every one of us in here or online put one of these steps into action. What would happen in our lives if more people stopped outsourcing and started activating and collaborating with the Holy Spirit in their life? What would happen if we started using an honor God, honor people list and we taught our children to do the same? It might be legacy for generations. What would life look like for your spouse, your kids, your friends, the one you're dating? If you looked in the makeup mirror and you were determined, you desired to level up the quality and character of your love for the ones that you love the most. What if we made better relationship decisions so that we had fewer regrets because people with fewer regrets travel lighter? What would happen if you unpacked some of that stuff with a couple broccoli in your teeth kind of friends. What would happen if you started meeting weekly with some of those types of friends? What would happen if you started to unpack some of the heavy stuff? We would walk lighter. And what would the world look like if we did that? We walked lighter. It would look like patience. It would look like kindness. It would look like celebration. It would look like selflessness, humility, forgiveness, rejoicing, justice, and healing. It would look more like Jesus. And you and I were created for nothing less than that. We're going to stand and worship, so stand with me. I'm going to pray. We're going to worship in response to all of this. So with your heads bowed, hearts open, Jesus, we pray that you will make us in the men and women who will collaborate with your Holy Spirit, that you will transform our lives the way that we think about you, the way that we think about relationships. I pray that you will give us the desire to level up our quality and character of love for those we love. I pray that in this moment, you would create a continued movement in our lives for your glory and your kingdom. Amen.